Welcome to Inside Sponsorship, the show that provides sponsorship professionals with advice, insights and news so they can maximise their commercial programmes and achieve best practice. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 26 of Inside Sponsorship and the first podcast for 2017. I'm your host, Daniel Oyston. I've just returned from a few weeks in the UK and had the chance to catch up with lots of people, but I wanted to give a shout out to a few of those I had coffee with who I know also listen to the podcast. So uh, a quick shout out to Martin Court from Square Mile Sport, Fergus Bennett-Odlam from SportCal, and Neil Rowe from FC Business. Guys, it was great to catch up with you, have a coffee and talk shop. In this episode, because I was out of the office and in the UK, Mark has taken the microphone and interviewed Simon Chester, General Manager, Commercial Operations at Brumbies Rugby. But before I left, Mark and I did have the chance to sit down and discuss one of his recent blogs, which looks at ways brands can achieve sponsorship cut through in what are often crowded markets. Here's Mark. Mark Thompson, welcome to 2017. Hey, how you doing? I'm great. How was uh, New Year's for you? Any New Year's resolutions? More uh, podcasts. More podcasts. Um, mate, I'm, I'm fo- my, my wife and I are having a, a bub in a couple of weeks. Yes. So focus is on that and uh, obviously growing this great Was that last year's New Year's resolution? It's only just coming to fruition now. <laughs> yeah, it takes a while, right? <laughs> it's so hard for us guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so how's, moving um, along. <laughs> how's your uh, white Christmas and uh, cold UK going? Mm, it's a uh, shock, concerning that I left my house and pool and warm Australian summer and my traditional century that I usually score on Christmas Day in the backyard cricket. Yep. There was none of that. Right. It's all inside. Oh, Too cold to get outside. Well, I, I can tell you that your pool's been in good hands. Mm-hmm. It's Is still, it clean? That's all I care about. Well, it's... Um, it's fresh. It's nice. Mm. It's been good to jump in. Haven't used the spa though. No, um, but I'm, I'm pretty sure your deck. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. all right. I might actually get to use some of that stuff myself now. I'm back. So, look, one of the we got you on the podcast this time around because one of the challenges that we see a lot with sponsorship, particularly on the brand side, obviously, is that there's there's multiple rights holders. If we look at a sport, maybe like there's multiple rights holders, and there's usually one dominant broadcast partner. Maybe a couple of others that buy games and things like that. They all have their own sponsorships and ads, and then grounds have sponsorships, and and yep. sometimes you're going to be competing directly with direct competitors yep. in sponsorships that you can't control. Well, if you look at a, a um, an arena sport, you know something that's played in a stadium. You've got the rights holder or the rights holders that are playing, but the teams, you've got the governing body, you've got the actual venue and the broadcaster. So the four rights holders that are all converging. Assuming that the team doesn't own the property, which is the case in Australia here sometimes. Well, yeah, I mean, most of the time in Australia, I mean, over in the in the UK, particularly the teams own the venues as a general rule, so it removes that that layer of difficulty. They still have broadcasters. They still, still have a governing yeah. body and they've still got their own. So there's still, there's only one less. It still can get tricky. And, and there's certain categories of partners which um, are protected and there's also other categories of partners which are, are not protected and therefore create some sort of conflicts and clashes. So that's what we're looking at. And because and there can be situations where... I don't know, you might be looking at the screen and you might be the official partner for something mm-hmm. for that sport, 
but the broadcaster is showing an ad in between plays and then yep. you come back and there's signage in the background and maybe even signage on, uh, you know, jersey uh, sponsorship for the away team. There's, yep. a, there's multiple aspects there, isn't there? Exactly right. And, and so this blog came about from a, a conversation, a real conversation I was having with a brand um, who were really active in the sponsorship space. And when we were chatting and, and the conversation moved to a really interesting topic for me something i just i was fascinated with um because we know about this sort of challenge that's out there and it sits out there and and not many people deal with it the same as each other there's lots of different ways of dealing with it but the way these guys dealt with it i was really fascinated with and really impressed with so because most brands would run a mile from a um a competitive situation like that where it might seem hard Mm. to figure it out yeah, exactly right. So, and, and that's what we kind of get into throughout this blog. So, I mean, the scenario, do you want me to paint the picture yep. for where we're at? So, it was a, a betting platform um, and they had a property as the official betting partner of a of a certain rights holder. Um, so, their challenge is that while they are the, the official betting partner, um, the various venues and, and broadcast partners and, and teams have have their own betting partnerships. Um, because it's not a, a an exclusively protected category across the the entire you know game, um, and therefore the, it creates a sort of a cluttering in the market and creates multiple conflicts and dilution situations that that come up quite regularly for them. So they explained a situation to me that occasionally occurs, which I just thought was madness. So that the picture you've got your your official betting partner, your broadcaster has their own betting partner. And the venue has their own betting partner. They said at times you've got the broadcast, the live footage, and the screen pull-throughs are all simultaneously displaying different betting partners at the mm. exact same time. Just just through scheduling and stuff like that, you'll have three different platforms being promoted at the exact same time at each other. One might be LED, one might be big screen, one might be TV. Um, but it is it's pure madness. Sounds challenging. Yeah. What are they doing to help manage it? I mean, ideally, um, their partnership would be exclusive across all channels um, or the rights holder could take measures to protect them, but it's not always possible. And so, I mean, they're having a conversation around how they can manage that, which I'll get to towards the back end of of this sort of uh, this chat. But um, what they're currently doing is really impressive to me. So as you just mentioned before, on the surface... Most brands would run a mile when they when that sort of situation occurs because it really would look on the surface to be a, a stunted opportunity, um, and you know you, you're just opening yourselves up to ambush marketing. Um, so most companies would sort of just leave it alone or or try and put some really unrealistic type of goals in there that that just will never be achieved because of that dilution. But if you think through. The challenge you can probably come up with a few ways to help address it. Is that what they've done? Well, th- what that was the most impressive thing is that as a brand, they were embracing the challenge to try and actually position using it as an opportunity to position themselves differently to their competitors. So um, they were they were creating sponsorship cut through, or they are creating sponsorship cut through when these conflicts occur because because they are they're so strategic and and you know st- strict very disciplined with how they're going about their partnership. 
So what are the things that they're doing? So the, the first thing that they, they spoke to me about they're doing is that they're focusing on what their objectives are. So why they, they knew this situation was, was in play when they became a partner. So their, their objectives are different to most other agencies or platforms. So brand exposure for them is not high on their agenda, which is quite rare for a betting platform. Why is that? Well, their, their objectives are more around community engagement, building an audience, and then co- having qualified leads. So, you know, and then what they do with that lead and those people is, is then the other part of the business. So they're treating sponsorship as part of their marketing mix rather than just a, a branding platform. So, um, But they, they still have advertising, yeah. branding out there. But that's not the. They're not looking for initial awareness. No, what they've got is a quite a really unique view on how advertising works, um, and what they, their their opinion is that advertising, um, you know, works as a brand recognition piece, and realization will be higher with customers who are already familiar and engaged through other means, you know, than simply just seeing it at a venue or on a broadcast. So, if their other marketing and their other um, you know, advertising channels are working well for them where they are standalone and they're controlling that through their other elements of their marketing mix, then these sport sponsorship opportunities are, are augmenting their realisation. Yeah, it's more reinforcement, isn't it? And exactly. Brand recall. They're using it as a channel that they can't access through their other channels. So so what are, are, they, what are they doing to engage people that are already aware of them so they've got some some specific strengths that they're playing to and and it's a real key differentiator of this brand in particular is that um their their content their engagement and their communication plan is really specific and they have i mean even to the point that they've got a fully equipped studio in their office um and by fully equipped i mean jealous i mean you could you could literally host a morning tv show in there that's how fully equipped it is very jealous (laughs) yeah Here we are in our little podcast studio. <laughs> For the listeners, this is about, I think it's two and a half by about three metres. Yeah. Yeah. With with foam um, makeshift, a few makeshift elements. on the wall. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so don't, don't remove all the magic of this podcast. <laughs> We've got the right equipment. Um, and so, you know, as such, they seek rights within their partnerships, which will enable them to create TV shows weekly video content, consumer engagement opportunities using their, their channels that they're really strong with so that when they secure a lead through their sponsorship opportunities, their communication plan is in place so that their engagement becomes higher with those people. How's this impacting on the relationship with the rights holder? I mean, because of the conflict, their relationships with the rights holders are even stronger. So um, they... They, they're constantly working for new opportunities and there's some really exciting opportunities which I, I can't share. It's not my news to share that they're going to be releasing next year. Um, but the focus is on a true partnership with their rights holders rather than just short-term transactional sponsorships. So, you know, they're, they're looking at ways of, of manoeuvring around the challenge to actually drive value, which is, you know, quite impressive. And do you think this is will help them be more successful in the long term, in the long run? So I, I think they will, but but we haven't mentioned why I think they'll actually be successful. So that w- apart from those, you know, this real pure strategic... Because they make sense. Yeah, they're, and they're, but they're strategic and they're disciplined. So, I mean, they've got a play that they're... a playbook they're sticking to of their sponsorship. Yep. But why I think they're going to be really successful is that they're, as we mentioned before, they're working of ways around... You know, to avoid the conflict as well, because obviously the ideal situation is not have to have workarounds; it's just to not have it. So, um, 
and and what they're looking at at doing, which is what made me really believe that this is a great sponsorship organisation, is that they have an authentic interest in the sport and the audience. And the solution to the anti-cluttering didn't involve blocking other partners or or whatever. It actually involved um, reducing the amount of gambling advertising, so cutting it back, um, just giving them the exclusive rights to the reduced amount, so actually giving them less branding and advertising opportunities, but only allowing one partner to do that. And with the space freed up, that they could then... Um, compensate those other partners that have the right to those venues so that they can use money in other ways and stuff like that so that, that the the broadcast and everything is consistent across one partner because they've paid the rights for the rights holder but the but actually coming up with solutions that didn't detriment the other partners so it's a it's all kind of like a fair play scenario but also their their thought on it is that it's actually healthier for the consumer because of the responsible gambling um, reduced amount of of advertising, and it's so it's a socially responsible, it's a co- you know collaborative, and it's an authentic approach, which it just displays a real understanding of what sponsorship is all about. It's about partnerships, and it's about coming up with reasonable um, solutions to problems, so that everybody can can have a positive outcome. Great chat, and it's definitely something that uh, crosses my mind when I'm watching sport and I see competing brands sponsoring and advertising in in the broadcast and on websites and, yeah. and sponsoring teams and things like that. And, and I mean, it's not unique to the gambling industry. You know, we, I saw, a, I was at an EPL game at, um, at White Hart Lane and I one half was a, a different power tool company to the other half and one was because one was a league sponsor, one was a team sponsor. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So if you want to read about uh, how that brand's approaching and, and helping solve that problem, head along to the uh, and see, read Mark's blog at sponsor.net. Thanks for joining us. Cheers, mate. The ACT Brumbies were part of the first Super 12 tournament in 1996 as the third Australian provincial team. And at the time, many predicted that the Brumbies, made up of so-called rejects, so players not wanted by the other two Australian teams, would perform poorly. However, the franchise quickly set about creating a culture envied by many, and since then, they have enjoyed more success than all the other Australian teams combined, reaching six finals and winning two. Simon Chester, General Manager, Commercial Operations, has been at the Brumbies for five and a half years, and in that time has provided the organisation with stability and leadership to ensure that the Brumbies are well supported for on-field success, including recently signing a new naming rights partner, which now makes the Brumby shirt the most valuable in Australian rugby. Here's Simon. So Simon Chester, um, welcome to the show. You're you're lucky you've got a, a guest host today with Daniel over in the UK. Great. Looking forward to um, getting into it. So a bit of an icebreaker question at first. What was your first ever job, you know, right back at school or just when you left school? Uh, my first ever job was working at Talker IGA, supermarket there. I had to collect trolleys and fill the milk, the beer and the soft drinks. I did that for about three years. <laughs> nice. Knowing you as well, you probably uh, taxed them a little bit for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little, little bit along the way, but it was good. I was able to walk to work. Um, I've been growing up in Hawker and sort of got a fair few shifts there after school and um yeah, it's um, and living back in Hawker now, it's, I, I still you know go do my shopping there. 
Now, um, moving on to the into the real world, um, you've you've worked on both sides of the fence in sponsorship. So you're currently the, obviously the general manager of commercial for um, commercial operations for Brumbies Rugby. Mm. Sort of, what's the progression, your career progression, been up to your current role? Yeah, well, whilst I was finishing my um, marketing communications degree at the University of Canberra, I was working part-time for Kellogg's, the cereal company, um, and I was in a sort of merchandising slash sales role for them, going around to um, supermarkets and, and and selling in cereal and trying to get additional sales and trying to get some promotional displays and that was a really good job to have whilst I was studying because it was flexible hours, but it also um, taught me the ability to deal with different people at different levels. So once I graduated, I, I accepted a role at Kellogg's head office um, in the independent supermarket category um, and, and worked there for a couple of years. And not long after the Western Force um got the um, license to enter the Super Rugby competition. I, I, um, I went over there in a, in a junior sponsorship role um, and, and left um, there after four seasons as, as um, the partnerships manager looking after all of sponsorships. The main, main motivation to leave was to, to get back to, to Canberra um, and, and in doing so, I became the sponsorship manager for Actu AGL, so sitting on the other side of the fence um, with the, the biggest energy retailer in, in, in the Canberra region. So um, after a couple of years there, I um, was approached by the Brumbies to, to come on and, and assist in a business development capacity, selling some, some suites and boxes and some sponsorship. Um, and then from there, um, progressed into general manager commercial, where I've been in this role now for best part of three years. I hear when you first joined the Brumbies, you shared an office with a really good-looking bloke. Is that true? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, in my first um, few months there, I, I did share an office with, with yourself. And, um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was good times. It was. I, I bet they were the best days in your life. Yeah, at, uh, they, Brumbies. they were. Saddest, saddest day ever when I left, I'm sure. Yeah. Hey, um, so your current role is, is quite broad, one of the broadest we've seen across um, commercial operations within sport where you oversee your commercial um, operations division, sponsorship, marketing, membership, media, corporate hospitality and operations. What mm. sort of team do you have in place around you that helps you look after so much so effectively? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really good point. It's crucial to, you know, there's so many um, things that sort of fall under under um, my area and um, it's really crucial to get the right people in the right areas to sort of take the pressure off a bit and allow me to focus on some other things that aren't even listed there, like, you know, opportunities in, in different markets like China and also um, government relationships, grants, all that sort of stuff. So yeah. got a couple of key senior managers within those areas that, that drive you know, the more junior stuff and uh, really does take the, the pressure off me significantly. That's good. And it's a funny thing, you know, we, we travel around the world a fair bit in our roles here at, uh, at Sponserve and um, the Brumbies is is synonymous with Australian Australian sport, not just uh, rugby. And it's actually seen as one of the biggest um, and best sporting organisations in the country uh, when you are in the Northern Hemisphere especially. So mm. given it, 
and 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 you actually you are positioned in probably one of Australia's smallest markets. So how do mm. you how do you guys differentiate yourselves? Um, being from a, a small um, town in a, in a crowded Australian sports marketplace, when you're talking to potential sponsors, yeah, you're, you're spot on, and you touched on a little bit there. The strength of our brand, um, you know, does help, but it is a it is a crowded market, and Canberra's got even more crowded in recent years with GWS and the emergence of some, you know, cricket games and whatnot coming here. So. We really look to play to our strengths, you know. Rugby um, globally is probably the strongest it's ever been in, in terms of participation and um, and uh, global television audience. The strength of the UK and France competitions is certainly certainly helping. And whilst it's it's going through a sort of leanish period um, locally, the global appeal is still massive. So the fact that our, our games are, are getting beamed into nearly 70 countries live is a, is a big strength of ours. And we also play to, play to our advantages in terms of being the home of federal government. We've been able to you know, do some deals on the back of, you know, being based here in Canberra and, and being able to get a lot a lot easier access to some of those decision makers when it comes to um, federal politics. Excellent. So um, off the back of that, we, we often hear people talking about the eight core objectives that sponsors are looking to achieve by, um, you know, sponsoring any given rights holder. Um, you know, those being brand awareness, positioning, community engagement, relationship building, generating sales, qualified leads, networking and building an audience. Mm. What what objectives do you think the Brumbies are best placed to help brands achieve uh, when coming on board with you guys? Yeah, I guess the key ones, I mean, Land Rover is a good example of, of brand awareness. Whilst they don't... Um, sell um, a whole lot of cars um, in comparison to other markets in within Australia. The brand awareness globally is big for them. As I say, those 70 countries that we go live into, them being on the sleeve generates a significant brand awareness for them. Yeah. Um, community engagement's a big one. Well, you know, the strength of, of Canberra being a, a smaller town is, you know, everyone's a Brumbies fan, whether or not they come to all the games, it's Canberra's team. So, you know, brands like Canberra Milk and whatnot um, can get really involved with the community and grassroots. Yep. And we are, you know, um, we are pretty good at being able to, um, you know, network and in, in turn generate um, leads um, and sales for, for our sponsors. We we do see ourselves more as a B2B um, proposition than a, than a, um, a, a B2C. I mean, a, a Mars bar or a, or a um, you know, a, a Nutri-Grain wouldn't be probably a great fit on the front of our jersey just because I don't think we'd be able to generate those sort of return um, sales for those sort of brands. But certainly in terms of an SG fleet that's looking to, you know, get some bigger government contracts, that's where we can be quite effective. There's a few lessons there for some young sponsorship managers about knowing your um, USP there. Um, so... Ten, you mentioned you were at the Western Force. That was going on 10 years ago now. Um, mm. So how do you think the approach of brands towards sponsorship has changed within that time? Yeah, I've seen a massive shift. Um, you know, as, as you say, I've been in the sponsorship game for over 10 years now. And um, when I first started out, it was very much... Um, 
what I like to call, I guess, chairman's choice. Yeah. It was, uh, it was very much, um, hey, we need a sponsor. It's, it's five hundred thousand um, dollars. Are you in or you're out? And, you know, you know, you'd you'd often get a lot of deals just on the back of, you know, someone on the board knowing someone or. Yep. A company needing to spend, um, you know, some money, and you know, we're a fan of the team, or the, it was a good idea. I mean, now it's, you know, because it is a competitive market, and a, and um, you know, a lot harder, and brands have to justify that back um, to their boards. It's, you know, you've got to be a lot more strategic. You've got to be able to demonstrate um, return on investment, um, and and it's yeah. It's it's a lot harder now to you know you'll still occasionally land some deals because the CEO or the the chairman is a big fan of the the organisation but that's um that's a lot rarer than it was um, as I said a decade or so ago. And do you think that feeds into also the um you know the the, the gone of the days of the fixed packages the gold silver bronze? Oh, it, it's much more of a business proposition now. Do you yeah. think? Correct. I mean, ten years ago, we, I would have yeah, sort of gone in, you know, with the front of jersey package, you know, the same benefits we were, we were talking to, same, and as you say, the gold, silver, bronze. Whereas, you know, now, no two, you know, we we were um, in the market for a, a collar sponsor last season, and we pitched it to, you know, twenty different organisations, and there were twenty different proposals with you know, 20 different benefits package based on, yeah. on what they what they were looking for and uh, and what they were seeking out of the relationship. So, yeah, there's no there's no set packages. It's really um, structured around around um, what the partner needs. Yeah, excellent. So the, the Brumbies do receive international exposure and you've got international brand partners. We've just mentioned Land Rover and, and the reasons they're on board. Um the Canberra audience is only around 380,000, um, mm. plus the surrounding region, of course. Do you do you see it as an advantage operating in a very well-connected town, or is it actually, does it make it, you know, much harder? Yeah, it's got its, it's, got its pluses and minuses. I mean, you know, going back to my Western Force days, and I, I see it now with the Melbourne Rebels, those big, bigger markets and cluttered. It's very hard to get messaging out about the team, the game, and, and any anything. Yeah. We're lucky here, being in a small community, that you know um, the Canberra Times and the local news in season will will talk about us every day. So we're really fortunate in that space that we don't have to spend as many marketing dollars to promote the games. Generally, people are aware that we're on and. And um, you know that that's a big advantage. The fact that we are in a you know a smaller government-driven town is a bit of a disadvantage. A lot of the big corporate um, private sector companies here have challenges being able to spend sponsorship dollars um, on sport with with sort of probity and yeah. anti-corruption laws. So that's a that's a disadvantage. But um, you know, brands like Canberra Milk and Actuagel that have, that have been involved in the Brumbies um, on and off for some time now, um, that sort of smaller under 400,000 people community, they get a lot more bang for the buck and a lot more exposure. Plus, the um, the global audience, as I've mentioned a few times, is massive. So we, we're able to target, 
you know, you sell community assets to those smaller private sector Canberra-based organisations, and then the Jersey assets to the to the bigger partners. Yeah, and it kind of it kind of um, adopts more of an authentic approach. There's there's much more authenticity in the brands that are supporting you because they they've got a real reason to do so. Mm, that's right. So now let's look towards your your most recent announcement. You guys recently signed Plus Five Hundred as your new front of jersey naming rights partner, and I mean that's a significant deal. Those guys are Atletico Madrid's shirt sponsor, um, and that now makes you guys with the you know having the most valuable shirt in Australian rugby. So congratulations on that. Um, a lot of credit needs to go to yourself and and your team. But talk us through how a deal came about with a, a company headquartered in Israel and um and operating in a in a Europe, predominantly European soccer market. Yeah, well going back about eighteen months or so now we um I, I linked in um with a with a sponsorship broker um based in in the uk um you know i'm a big fan of linkedin and probably spend you know at least half an hour each morning um you know looking through um reading some stories on there and connecting with some new people and it came from a connection about 18 months ago and um you know connected with a with a guy that um sort of specialized in these deals and we had a we had a crack at plus 500 sort of 12 months leading into the 2016 season and got quite close and it didn't come off and re-engaged for the 2017 season and you know yeah for them that they've only done one sponsorship ever in atletico madrid and they're um they're now operating in Australia and soon to be New Zealand and South Africa. So oh, Super Rugby is a good fit for them. Yep. Um, and the fact that we'd already sort of presented 12 months earlier made it a much easier um, proposition for them. They knew us and, um, yeah, it came came together like that. Timing's everything and, um, you know, the uh, the demographic for rugby is right for their product. Um so we, you know, we got lucky in, yep. in a sense, but it was also down to, you know, having having that um, connection on LinkedIn sort of eighteen months prior. And can we give a shout out to the uh, to the sponsorship broker? Yeah, good. so the guys from WH um, Sports, um, guy by the name of Joe Williams, put the put the deal together. Good blokes, those guys. You uh, you yourself introduced them to to us when we moved into the UK, and they've been tremendous help. Over there yeah, as well. Great. Yeah, really good guys, and I'm confident we'll do some more stuff with them in the in the in the near future. I hear they'll be on our shores in 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 March as a guest of yours. So that's that's uh, correct. Yeah, yeah that'll yep. be good. So um, staying back onto the, the 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 deal that just happened, Aquas were the the naming rights partner of the Brumbies. Um, yep. They just recently had announced an extension of that so um obviously things have had to change with the plus 500 coming on board how did you go about a conversation with aquas moving them to a different property and and what does that look like now yeah well i guess it's really a testament to the relationship and the partnership we we have with those guys they they've been involved with the brumbies for several seasons now um and the relationship was so strong the fact that they know the, the financial pressures the organization's under and so we um you know looked to to restructure their benefits package to be a bit more focused on the community to free up that that front of jersey space for the, this this new brand in plus 500 so um yeah it was a it was a um you know 
quite an easy conversation in the end based on the strength of the relationship. They're committed to the Brumbies long term and, um, you know, saw that this opportunity would, I guess, um, you know, really ease the pressures for us financially going into the 2017 season. Oh, that's great. Now, um, talking about your, your future planning and, and um, pivoting now into to something a bit um, a bit different, you guys have had some well-publicised success with your app in the last 12 months. Can you tell the listeners a little bit more about the app and why you decided to build it? Yeah, well, again, we, we, we're really looking to be at the front of innovation in terms of the Australian um, sporting teams. We have to play to our strengths and create... Um, some you know create our own strengths so we had a really big focus on on building our our social media platforms that sort of put us in second place now of the australian teams in terms of our following on the on facebook instagram and twitter and number one in terms of our engagement with the fans of all the australian teams um, following on from that, we created a new website, um, yep. and and that came about with our partnership with CSC Computer Science Corporation. And website was stage one, and app was stage two, and it, it was really just to stand out from the from the crowd, but also because we do have a global audience um, to be able to you know feed information and stats um, in a timely manner um, globally. And there's additional assets um, to, to sell to, to new partners um, along the way. And the, the feedback from the app um, and the new website's been excellent. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the, some of the numbers that we've we've got around those are that your weekly traffic was up by 240% and you increased your Facebook following 20-fold off the back of the app, which are amazing numbers. Um we also know, obviously, you've talked about engagement. So engaged audiences are one thing the sponsors find really attractive. So how have you leveraged or how do you intend to leverage that further to increase engagement from the app on the sponsorship front? Yeah, well, it's interesting, you know, one of your previous questions about one of the things that's changed um, in the 10, 10 or so years I've been working in in sponsorship is it's it's now less about, you know, how many members do you have? What's your average crowd attendance? To more focused on, you know, what's your digital um, presence, yep. um, and especially, you know, to be able to attract those global brands. That was really our focus to increase those the followings um, on, across those platforms. And to, to do so, we needed a really good digital strategy, and we needed to have regular content. Um, and um, valuable content daily. So the biggest leverage for us is really just in, you know, um, pushing that towards new potential partners and the, the stronger it gets, the more appealing it is for brands. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's very much the way of the future and, and, you know, some people have really adopted it and others struggle to do so still. So it's, uh, it's very interesting. So are there any um, areas of your commercial program that you know could provide significant value to a sponsor that, that brands themselves haven't quite adap- adapted to yet that you think are, are some areas that are going to have significant growth for you? 
Yeah, um, we've we've probably focused, um, and it's mainly been a resourcing issue internally on, um, you know, the Brumbies, the high-performance team that runs out in the Super Rugby competition. But yeah. running community rugby here, um, there's lots of additional assets in terms of under-20s and pathways and that we're just starting to, to go out into the market with now. So it's, it's they haven't been sort of pushed from our side, but also there hasn't been a, a huge interest from from um, other brands in the past and and that's probably more of an awareness thing so i think that's where we're going to see some growth in the in the coming year yeah and i mean obviously given your um unique positioning there being a small town surrounding rural area and a with with access to government you, you've got a wide range of partners that would be suitable there so that that could be quite exciting for you i guess yeah that's right so um Last year, we were lucky enough here to, to, to be granted access to a pretty special at-game experience in the locker room at the Brumbies. Mm-hmm. Um, what, are, what are some of the at-game and surrounding the team experiential opportunities that you guys look to offer sponsors? Um, yeah, we try and um, create as, as much sort of access to the, to the team um, as possible and that behind-the-scenes stuff I think is crucial. So that locker room package is, is kind of as it's... As it says, we um, while the team's out doing their warm-up, we take a, a group of sponsors and corporate partners down into the locker room. Team manager shows them sort of a bit about the pre-game prep and you can see where the guys, um, um, you know, do do their sort of last-minute preparations and it's a, it's a pretty special place and um, rare opportunity to be a part of. We also take, you know, partners down into um, the locker room um, after the game um, for when, when the team's had a good win. Um, and we, we we do each year a trip away with the team for some of our higher-end, um, bigger partners where we sort of go on tour with the team, stay at the same hotel and, and um, you know, um, really be part of the, the week-long preparation into a game in South Africa or New Zealand or even Melbourne or Brisbane and sometimes Perth. So, yeah, we try and create as much access um, to those behind-the-scenes money-can't-buy opportunities as we can. Yeah, I can tell you in the in the locker room the day we were there, there were some of your other partners in there and, and Stephen Larkham, the head coach, came in and spoke to them prior to the match and, and spoke about the tactics of, of um, throwing some inside balls early and then and then pushing it wide and... The first 10 minutes of the game, you guys scored two tries off inside balls and then uh, after about the half an hour mark, you scored one off throwing it wide and the, the vibe and the, the chat amongst the partners in the room were, were, you know, they thought they had the world's best secret and uh, it was yeah. such an amazing thing to see unfold. Oh, that's great. Good feedback. Yeah. So um, the commercial program, you, you've spoken about the grassroots area and, and the outward-facing stuff around your commercial program. What are, what are some of the internal areas you're looking to focus on developing over the next 12 months or so, so to commercially? Yeah, a few of the key ones is I've touched on our digital assets, you know, our app and our website, so we're just beginning a journey now to start to commercialise that and monetize those a bit more. Yep. Um, we've got them to a stage now where they are, you know, powerful resources, so, you know, selling advertising um, and packages for those um, assets. We also um, have undertaken um, a, a project um, in, in China um, to um, 
you know, assist them in growing the game. They're looking to set up a national league there. And so we've been up and we're starting to form some agreements now with Chinese Rugby Union to assist them over the next few years. So they're probably the two big things commercially that we'll be developing over the next 12 months. Wow. Simon Chester, um, if people want to get in touch with you or find out more about the Brumbies, what what can they do? Call me, email me, link in. <laughs> Um, yeah, always open for a, for a chat. Not a problem. So uh, Simon Chester, General Manager, Commercial Operations, thank you so much for taking us inside sponsorship at Brumbies Rugby. No problem at all. Thanks, Mark. Thanks again to Simon for spending time uh, with us and, and providing some great insights to their commercial program. And also thanks again to Mark for covering the microphone in my absence. As Simon said at the end there, he's always up for a chat. So get in contact uh, either through LinkedIn or head to brumbies.com.au. And of course, I'll provide some links in the show notes on sponsor.net. If you want to connect with me, you can do so on LinkedIn. Just search for Daniel Oyston or drop me an email at daniel at sponsor.net or on Twitter using the handle at Sponserve. And of course, you can connect with Mark Thompson as well on LinkedIn or using email mark at Sponserve.net. I hope you enjoyed the first episode for 2017. And we have some great guests lined up for you this year. However, if there's someone or an organisation that you'd love to hear from and learn more about, whether that's on the rights holder side or the brand side, then be sure to get in touch and let us know. Of course, as always, if you've got two minutes and you love the show, then be sure to head to iTunes and leave us a quick review because it does make a really big difference in helping others discover the show and so we'd really really appreciate it if you aren't already be sure to subscribe to receive all our content straight to your inbox simply head to any of our blogs or podcasts at sponsor.net and fill in the subscription form and we'll deliver that content to your inbox each and every week until next time i'm daniel oyston thanks for listening to inside sponsorship Thanks for listening to the show. For more episodes, blogs and resources, head to Sponserve.net or search for Sponserve on Facebook, Twitter or LinkedIn.